Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. You guys, what a privilege to be here at Community Christian Church. Woo! Man. Pam and I, we just love your pastor and his wife, Pastor Tony and Therese and their family. We've been longtime friends. Oh my goodness, this is just such an honor to be here with you guys. I've bragged on Pastor Tony all over the world. I tell other pastors that I know this guy in Sterling Heights, Michigan. He is a pastor's pastor. That's how... Now you gotta remember, I've been in a lot of churches and I've been with a lot of pastors. So I'm not telling a word of a lie when I describe the gift that God's given Pastor Tony and how he walks in it. I describe him as a pastor's pastor because that's the kind of leader he is. He's a leader of leaders. And you are a blessed people. I'm so thankful for the team that God's put together here. I love Pastor Phil leading in worship, just such a great team, and David, you guys just do a phenomenal job. Anybody that we brought in for the Joy Conference, they were all talking to me, and they're saying, man, what an amazing team here at Community Christian Church. So, you know. You know what the world says? The world says familiarity breeds contempt, but I know you, you are a sharp bunch of people and you will never let that happen and always realize and rejoice in the great gifts that God has given you, right? Well, it's such a privilege for Pam and I to be here. We've been praying about this. And as Pam said, I really believe with all my heart that God has downloaded something in my heart that's specifically for this congregation, for you guys, because I'm not just interested in another Sunday morning and we're not just interested in another just something, something, something. We need something that's right from God because I know you, you're like me. I'm into the bottom line. I'm into the outcome. I want to know like kind of like a little bit like, show me the money. Right? Let, let's get to what, what, what is this all about? So let's just invite the Holy Spirit. I know he's already in this place, but I always love to acknowledge his presence because he helps us unfold the word of God so we can get in on the inside, right? Precious Holy Spirit, what a privilege it is to have access to your presence. And we never want to take it for granted, God. Never. Jesus said that you would help us, that you would unfold things for us, that you would give us understanding, that we wouldn't be like the Pharisees and the other religious leaders and just see the word and hear it, but it not get into our heart, but that you would help get the seed, the incorruptible seed of your word on the inside of us in our heart where it would bear fruit and it would benefit our lives and the people around us. So we believe we receive the word of God in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Woo. All right. Have you ever been stuck, stressed, and struggling? Have you ever felt like you're just stuck? And it kind of evolves. You go from feeling stuck to feeling stressed. You start sighing, and then you just, you start getting into this existence of struggling. I remember it was in my college days, and I had this beautiful, vintage, old, VW Beetle. You remember those? It was black. I'm calling it vintage because I'm trying to give it a compliment. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to be nice. I had this Beetle and I was home for um, a weekend visiting my family and I was going back to school. I was in Toronto and it was in the winter months and there had been this big 
snowstorm. And so nobody had been on, out on the roads. And I'm trying to get back to school Monday morning. Nobody had been on the roads except for these transport trucks. And so they had made this wide track in the snow. And I got my little VW Bug. And it's got a narrow wheelbase. So as I'm driving down the road, I'm trying to decide whether this set of wheels go in this track or this set of wheels go in this track. But, you know, being young, I got to get there. So, you know, I'm hitting the accelerator, trying to get some speed and figuring that'll help me through this. But, you know, as I get faster, going down this rural road, all of a sudden my bug just started kind of going back and forth like this. And suddenly, you know that feeling, right, where you just totally lose control? Suddenly, my VW bug just starts doing like these spins in the middle of this rural highway, and I'm doing about 55 miles an hour. Snow is flying. I can't see a thing. I'm totally out of control. And it's like you have this, this moment of silence when you know you're airborne. And it's just quiet, and you can't see anything, and then suddenly, poof, and I somehow get across the ditch, and I land way out in the cornfield, and I am stuck. Man, I'm stressed, and I am struggling. I mean, my heart rate's gone up. My, I mean, I'm sweating, and that's probably the picture of the way some of you feel in life, how it evolves so quickly. You go from stuck to stressed, to struggling. Well, friends, today, I believe as we go into the Word of God, God's going to give us a way. And specifically right now, we're going to talk about honor. It's called the honor way. The honor way is the secret passageway out of your stuck, out of your stressed, and out of your struggling. It's God's will. God has a will for your life. But how many know that God's way is access to his will? There's a way to get on the inside of God's will. Often we times we talk about God's will being so great. We talk about the benefits, the blessings of God's will, but we don't understand there is a way to get into the will. So let's start unpacking this thing right now. This secret passage called the way of life. It's a code. It's a spiritual algorithm. When Jesus would talk 2,000 years ago about, ago about the keys of the kingdom and talk about ways and talk about keys, sometimes we think because it was 2,000 years ago that Jesus was kind of taking out a little brass ring of keys and going, there's keys to the kingdom. He was talking about codes, keys, algorithms. He was talking beyond 2,000 years where we are right now, where we kind of, you know, we get some money out of the ATM machine. What do we do? We punch in a code, a key. He's beyond that. Jesus was beyond that. So we look at Matthew 16, 19, and Jesus said, Stephen, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. We can translate that today to Jesus going, guys, I'm going to give you the algorithms. I'm going to give you the codes to the kingdom. That's what he was saying. Then in Matthew 6, he says, seek first the kingdom of God, God's way of doing things and being right, and all these things will be added unto you. Now, I want to point your attention to this. Jesus never said, seek me first. Now, that sounds good to me. If I were saying it, if I was King Jesus, I would have said, now, y'all, seek me first, because that sounds reasonable. Seek Jesus first. Jesus never said that. He said, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. Now, here's why I believe he said that, because think about it. We get a really funky idea about who Jesus is, independent of the kingdom of God. I've heard people talk about Jesus, and did you know most of the world is all right with Jesus? People like Jesus, 
I hear, I hear movie stars, politicians, all kinds of people talking about Jesus, and they have a very weird idea of who Jesus is. Because when you hold the king in contempt of the crown, you can come up with some really strange ideas about who the king is. But the moment you hold the king with the crown of dominion and authority on his head, suddenly you're locked and loaded. Your preferences and your opinions about who the king is, it doesn't matter. Because the king is who the dominion defines him. The context defines the king as. And you know, we got a lot of people that call themselves Christians, and they're saying they're seeking the king first, but they hold the king independent of the crown. And when you do that, when you do that, a king without a kingdom is just a man in exile. You hold Jesus in your heart independent of his kingdom, you're holding the king independent of his crown. Therefore, you have the king, almighty Jesus, in exile, and you're wondering why you're praying so many hours, and there's no results. Seek first the kingdom of God. God's way, God's, say God's way, God's way of doing things and being right. God's way is the honor way. So we're about to see how the honor way, the algorithms of honor, is the master key, the master codes to life. 1 Samuel 2.30, I love this scripture. In the context that it's talking about, Eli the the priest is, is really, he's a bad pastor. He's a contemptuous pastor. He doesn't, he's not honorable in any way. So God can't even talk directly to Eli. He's got to talk through this teenage protege of his who has a heart after God called Samuel. And Samuel gets the word from God for Eli and has to deliver it to him. And here's what he says to his mentor. Samuel delivers this word from thus saith the Lord. And here's what he says. But here's what God says. He says, far be it from me, saith God. Those who honor me, God says, I will honor. And those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Honor is a seed, but so is dishonor. Lightly esteemed in this scripture, when you look into the Hebrew of it, it actually means miserable. It actually means stuck stressed and struggling. And God says, those who honor me, Eli, I'm gonna honor. But when you lightly hold me in contempt, when you hold my crown independent of who I am, when you hold me lightly in your heart, you will live a stuck, stressed, and a struggling life. Sound familiar? This stuck thing just didn't start in this lifetime. Stuck folks go all the way back to Nazareth. Jesus was going back to his hometown. You remember the story in the book of Mark. He goes back to his hometown and he is, he's preaching and they're amazed at his authority. They're, they start talking, they're going, wow, nobody's ever talked like this. This guy can drop the mic. This is amazing. Listen to him talk. He talks with such authority and such, wow, and they're all kind of wowing, but suddenly they start getting into sense and reason. But wait a sec, Jimmy, you're married to his sister, and remember, he used to have a newspaper route in this town. Wait a sec, who does he think he is coming in here and just kind of telling us, you know, preaching the word at us? And they started holding him in contempt and separating him from the dominion and authority of who he really was. And let's pick up the story as they get into this contemptuous talk and this sense and reason. Mark 6, starting at verse 4, but Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. How many know that Jesus had relative problem? 
right? If you think, if you think Jesus can't identify with your Thanksgiving dinner problems, <laughs> he knows all about it. Jesus had some weird family. Verse 5, and now he could do no mighty works there. Jesus, we're talking about Jesus, could do no mighty works. Imagine Jesus walking into this church and basically looking around going, I I can't do anything here. Can you imagine Jesus walking into your presence and he can do no mighty things there? My friend, without honor, even Jesus can't save you from your stuck, stressed, and struggling. Without honor, even Jesus, if I was holding the mic, I'd drop it. Without honor, even Jesus can't save you from your stuck, stressed, and struggling. Because we have this idea, well, Jesus can do anything. And because he's not doing something right now, therefore, it must not be his will to do something. Uh, you, you just, you're, you're doctrinalizing your experience, and that's dangerous. Just because something's not happening, that you think Jesus should be doing something, doesn't mean that he doesn't want to do it. But without honor, without the codes, without the algorithms of the honor way, even Jesus can't save you from your stuck, your stressed, and your struggling. I know I was excited when I heard it too. <laughs> so the Hebrew word for honor is this, it's kaved. What we translate into the English language being honor, it's the word kaved. It means the picture that we get from the Hebrew word kaved is this, because Hebrew words always translate into pictures. And the picture we get is that honor opens the inside door. In fact, honor opens the, the secret door to the secret passageway to the inside vault where all the heavy stuff is. That's, and, and it actually translates the word heavy like gold and silver, precious things to the inside. Honor opens the inside door to the promise of the heart or the promised land of the heart. You following me? Honor is the inside door of access to the land of promise. That's what honor is. Now think about our society and the enemy's strategy and tactic to completely make us devoid of all things honor. Right? Honor means heavy with value and weight. There was a film crew a few years ago, they went out in the streets and they were doing an expose just on, you know, human culture. And they were, they set up right outside in the downtown big city, right outside in an exchange place. And this is amazing, Pastor Tony. They, what they did was they did an experiment with people because the, these journalists just wanted to see where people were at. And they, they would pick random people and they would say, sir, madam, we're going to give you a free free gift. You're going to get either, you have your choice. You can have a 10 ounce bar of silver or we're going to give you, and they'd open this little refrigerator, portable refrigerator, we'll give you a nice big cold Hershey chocolate bar. Sir, madam, what would you like? Out of nine out of 10 people, and they did, from what I understand, hundreds of people, nine out of 10 people, guess what they chose? The Hershey chocolate bar. Now, I just did some recent calculations just to bring you up to date where silver's worth right now. That would be, you know, a bar, 10 ounce bar of silver, right? 10 times like what? $17 an ounce, like we're talking $170 for a 10 ounce bar of silver. And I mean, Hershey chocolate bar, maybe a buck 70, two bucks. 
refrigerated. Let's put some extra on there. I mean, I don't know. We're talking people, people, this is what people do. They go like this. When it comes to honor and dishonor, this is how we live in our society. We live like this. We cross our arms. What, what's supposed to be heavy, we've weighed light. And what's, what's light, we've weighed heavy. And we go for the white sugar instead of the silver. We go for the heavy stuff. Doesn't that just remind you of Esau and Jacob, right? Here's the birthright. This is, this is worth billions of dollars, billions of dollars. But forget the dollars. It's the blessing. It's protection. It's, it's the anointing. It's, it's everything of God, the promises of God through your ancestors and your fathers coming on your life. I mean, even your sheep will walk straighter lines because of this blessing. And he goes, no, no, give me the bowl of soup. We've traded our billions for bowls of soup. So this, this isn't just happening today. This, this is thousands of years old. This is called the curse, you guys. This is the curse. You and I have this common purpose, and this is so important to understand about honor. You and I have this common purpose, this dominion and authority assignment we received in the Garden of Eden with our grandparents. And it's very interesting to find this out. Psalm. 8 verses 5 and 6. Here's what it says. And think about this is our grandparents, Adam and Eve in the garden. You have crowned them with glory and honor. God crowned our design with glory and honor. That's the way you're supposed to operate. That's, that's how you are supposed to work with glory and honor on your crown. You've been made to have dominion over all the works of God's hands. Now notice, you really can't exercise dominion over the works of God's hands until you have the crown of honor and glory in its place. The first thing that happened to our grandparents when they sinned in the garden, they lost what? The crown of honor and glory. When that invisible crown of glory and honor came off their heads and that's when they discovered they were naked because you see no dominion and authority in their life when they lost that the stuff that they were supposed to have mastery over suddenly started having mastery over them and God's like because of what you've done because of your disloyal to me because of your treason to me now you will serve the ground instead of the ground serving you see that's the curse now that's where the thorns came from there were no thorns before then see the ground started producing thorns and things this is why our savior king jesus wore the crown of thorns on his brow to get you and me back intentionally the dominion and authority to get us back the crown of honor on our brow wow See, Jesus has not been, he didn't come just to pay for your sins. He came to get you back your crown. Romans 5, 17 says, through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, we reign as kings in life, but you have to have your invisible crown through the blood of Jesus because of the cost of the cross. You have to get that back on your brow so you can reverse the order of what our great-grandparents did in the Garden of Eden. Jesus died to get the family name back on us, you guys. Jesus became a curse so that we could live blessed. That's what Galatians 3 said. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. He didn't just die. He became a curse. Every Hebrew knew, hanging on the tree, cursed is he who hangs on the tree. 
They didn't just cut his throat out back of Jerusalem. They hung him on a tree because that's where the curse could be dealt with, on the tree. That's why the cross is so important to you and me. That's why it's vital to our life. It's the place of great exchange. Now, religious people of Jesus' day, they faked it. They liked a pretend version of honor because every one of us want honor. Whether you say it or not, whether you believe it or not, deep in your heart, you want honor, you crave it, you need it because you were designed for it. So if you can't get it vertically, guess what you try to do? You try to get it laterally, you try to get it horizontally, and it's like you start seeking after honor because there's something in you that just craves and wants honor. Well, the religious leaders of Jesus' day were no different. They wanted honor. And Jesus is saying this to you, he says right here in um, John 5 verse 4, he says, how can you guys believe who receive honor from one another, the fake stuff, and do not seek the honor that comes from God? Because look, the fake stuff will short circuit the real stuff. Only real honor triggers the miraculous in your life. Real honor triggers the miraculous in your life. Fake honor will short circuit the real thing. You can play the world's honor game, but you know, this is why I love the thief on the cross. The thief on the cross, when I was a boy, I read that, I thought, well, you know, when you think about it, he kind of got like an easy entrance, didn't he? It was just kind of an easy ride in, like, I mean, he was a bad boy, dies on a cross, and he, he praises. He doesn't even pray the typical evangelistic come to Jesus prayer. I mean, like, right, he doesn't say, I confess that I'm a sinner, I, you know, he didn't pray that, not that there's anything wrong with that, but he's on the cross and he just prays a prayer like this. Hey, um, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And at first, I'm gonna be honest with you, I was kind of offended with his prayer because it didn't seem very North American evangelistic. But the more I got into his prayer, the more I realized he's way beyond us. He's looking at the crucified Savior gasping for air, bruised, beard torn out, face bleeding, the thorns, blood running down in his eyes, his eyes swollen from the beating, flesh lacerated, bruised, indescribably awful. And he looks at that lump of flesh and he holds the king in honor with his crown and dominion. And he says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Wow. To look past your eyes to feel past your feeling and recognize that's the king of glory. What an amazing prayer. So let's take a Bible picture look at some people who bypass honor, right? We know the Israelites, God's bringing them into the promised land. Think about it. He's bringing them into the promise of his heart. He wants to bring them into the promised land. Children of Israel are in bondage. God sets them free from Egypt. He gets them into the wilderness, but then they start grumbling and complaining. We learn that they're free from, but they're free for the promised land. Now tell me, why would it take 40 years to make an 11 day journey? Why does it take 40 years? Some of you need to ask this question of yourself. Why is it taking so long for you to get into the promise? Why does it take 40 years for the people of God to get into the promise of God? And the Bible says, not Stephen, the Bible says it's an 11-day trip. Why does it take 40 years to do an 11-day trip? Well, let's look at what the Word says. Hebrews 
verse 3, verse 19, chapter 3, verse 19. So we see that they were not able to enter into the promised land because of unbelief and an unwillingness to trust God. No honor. God's greatest honor is to be trusted and to be believed. I know a lot of people are there always talking about how much they love God. You need to change it from how much you love God to how much you trust God and you believe God. I've told Pam before, there's people I know that they keep telling me how much they love me. I'm like, stop loving me and just be loyal to me. Loyalty is my nice big L word, right? We've all had people that tell you they love you and they walk away and then they'll say things behind your back, right? I'm like, my favorite L word anymore is loyalty. It's got more letters and it's just. (laughs) You love me, be loyal to me. Work on the loyalty. Be less on the love and more on the loyalty. I think about Jesus is probably saying the same thing. I got all these people singing about how much they love me. How about be loyal to my crown? Be loyal to the crown. So the people of Israel, they want what's in God's hand. They don't want what's in his heart. Psalm 103 verse 7 says that. Moses knew the ways of God. He knew the algorithms and the codes of God. He was respectful to the thoughts of God. The children of Israel, they told Moses, we don't want to talk to God. We don't want to hear from him. We don't want to see him. All we want to know is where's the food? Where's the manna? Get us some water out of the rock. That's all. We just want the signs and wonders. We just want the miracles. Don't tell us the ways of God. I've got my own opinion. I got my own preferences. I don't want to change my lifestyle. You know, I got this thing going on. We're Reubenites. We got our way of doing things, just get us the manna, a little bit of chicken on Friday night, that's all we want, we don't want, don't change my ways, right? And this is the way the children of Israel were, but the problem is, guys, the promise is on the other side of the codes, the algorithms, and to say you just want the chicken dinner, to say you just want the manna, to say you just want the stuff, the miracle, just, hey, I remember a guy getting healed, and this heal, um, minister of mine who is an amazing ministry in healing, the Lord, he went to pray for this man who was having major stomach problems, and the Holy Spirit gave him this revelation as he went to pray for him of this just big pile cans of Chef Boyardee, right? In his mind, he said, that was the craziest thought. So he said, I went to pray for him, the guy, and he said he was just groaning, he holding on his stomach, and he said, I went to pray for him, the Lord gave me this revelation, and he told him, you tell him he needs to put this on the altar and stop eating this, right? So he said, brother, he says, I, I, I see a big pile of Chef Boyard can. And the guy was like, he says, Don't, just, just pray for the healing. That's all I want. This is the way we are. It's just, I, no, I don't want to change my life. If I want to eat Chef Boyard, just, you know, just, just heal me and let me go back to my sin. Let, just heal me and let me go back to my way of doing things. I love it when you're so quiet. It's just, the respect is off the hook. (laughs) Practically speaking so, how do we walk the honor way? Because, you know, I want to stop. Some of you are saying, well, Stephen, that's me. I want to stop running around the same mountain. I don't want to make a 40-year trip. I don't want to make an 11-day trip into 40 years. I know people in the church that are like, Pastor, I've been praying about this for 35 years. You you need a new prayer. (laughs) You, You need a new prayer. You, you, need, you need the honor way. God wants to answer your, some of you sitting here, you're, you, you're, I know, you, you're thinking, he's coming at this too direct. 
I've only got a few more minutes. I gotta be direct. Because I want you free and blessed and more than me, God wants you free and blessed and more than you want your prayers answered, God wants to bless you and answer your prayers. He's not holding, God is not willing to hold anything back from you. God wants to bless you and love on you. But the thing is, you can't come to God's ATM machine, keep punching in the wrong codes, disrespecting his word when he said, honey, I told you seven, 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 and keep going. But three plus four equals seven, and I'll put a zero. That sounds good, like a good pin. You can't do it. And some of you keep doing it because you're like, well, because that's my, that's our genetics. You know, that's my, those my family traditions. Well, that's just the way we, that's just the way I talk. That's just the way I walk. That's who I am. Honey, we got saved by the king of all kings to come into his kingdom. In his kingdom, you don't get a vote. I know, we live in America, you don't get a vote. God isn't into fair because if he was into fair, we would all be going to hell. God's into giving us what we don't deserve. He wants to give us what Jesus deserves. That's why the king came. So how do we do this? Look, there's 10 commandments. The first four are all about our vertical relationship with God. The fifth, when it starts about five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, those last six are all about our horizontal relationships here on earth, and it starts out coincidentally this way, commandment number five, honor. Hmm, is that a coincidence? I don't think so. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long upon the earth and that you may live long and it may be well with you. That Hebrew word for well with you is ridiculously well, that it is really well with you. Now, here's the thing. A lot of you are saying, and I was in a home, my father walked out on me when I was seven. He was a drug addict, a heroin addict. He was immoral. He couldn't tell the truth no matter what day it was. But listen, the word didn't change that basically honor your father and mother if they're wonderful, honorable people. You honor your father father and mother the way that God called you to do it. See, we honor because God is honorable, not because the other person across from us is honorable. Everybody, every person on planet Earth is made in the image of God. We can honor them for the reason being that their image is wholly made by God. It doesn't matter if it's somebody panhandling on the street. It doesn't matter if it's a dishonest boss. It doesn't matter if it's an abusive parent. We can walk in honor. You're saying, well, Stephen, how do we do that? I had a, a person recently, a young woman, well, I'll say she's like maybe early 40s, and she said to me, she said, Stephen, she goes, I, my father rejected me when I was a little girl. He made my life a living hell. He hurt me so bad. He did terrible things to me. And here I am at this age with children and with a husband. And she says, my marriage is struggling. I struggle in my communication with my children. I'm stressed. She said, I'm depressed. I'm on medication to try to compensate for all that stuff. I'm all these things. And then now she goes, I re- you're telling me this, that I have to honor my father. How do I do that? And I said to her, her name is Angela. I said, well, Angela, here's what we do. We come to the cross. Come with me to the cross of Jesus. Christ. Come with me to the cross where Jesus won it all, and here's what we do. Let's lay down all the rejection of your father at the cross. Let's lay it all down. Let's just pour it out, and the tears are rolling. She laid it all down, and as she laid it down, then I said, now you pray this. Say this. 
Now, Father Jesus, Father God, because Jesus died on the cross for me, I said, say this. Say, you've forgiven me. Now say this, I forgive my dad. Just forgive him right here at the cross. And I said, see, this is your honoring your father. You're honoring your father. Release him from all of his sins. Release him from everything he's done to you. Lay it all down. There you go. We put it at the cross. Now I said, go like this. Just say, now, Father, I receive the crown of honor and glory here at the cross of Jesus. I lay down all the dishonor. I forgive. And I receive the honor from the king of all kings. Now I said, how does that feel? And the tears begin to roll and the smile begin to come on her face. And she began to walk into freedom. And every once in a while now, she'll phone me or text me and she'll say, Stephen, my marriage is way better. She'll say, Stephen, my life is way better. And when I communicate with my kids now, everything is different. Why does everything even look, even the dog listens to me now. I said, well, honey, you got your crown of honor and authority and dominion back in place. It's the way it's supposed to be doesn't insulate you from every crisis, but it converts every crisis into an opportunity for you to exercise Christ's dominion and authority. Isn't that exciting? So look, I can't have you walking out of here just like with, with any questions in your mind wondering how, like, how do I exercise this dominion and authority? How do I walk in this honor? Look, if you give your word, keep your word. That, that's how simple honor works. Why? Because honor is lateral. You honor people because God is honorable. When God gives his word, he keeps his word. If you get too much at the, the, the counter, if you get too much change, it's not the favor of God. I, like, I, I'm, I'm just, see, I have to say things like this because there's people I know that have literally, I guess what, they, they, that woman dropped $10. Like, the Lord, praise the Lord. I'm like, no. If you get too much change, you know what the honorable thing to do is? Boy, see, but see, I'm preaching to the choir this morning. If someone curses you in traffic and flips the bird, no. No, you, you don't do what I just saw cross through your mind. You don't do that. No, no. You bless those who curse you. Well, Stephen, does that mean I chase them down and I take them out for dinner? No. You don't do that. You don't chase them down and take them out for dinner because the right seed goes in the right ground. This is what I said to Angela about her father. She's not supposed to phone him up and take him out for dinner. With all the abuse that's happened and all the, the, where their relationship's at and the hate that he has for her and what he's done to her, He forgives, the right seed goes in the right ground. Forgiveness is almost always the right seed for any ground. You can grow just about anything with forgiveness. But there's certain seeds that you only put in the right ground. So you don't chase the guy down and take him out for dinner. But you know what you do? You do pray for him. Because the thing is, maybe he's not in his right mind. Maybe he's on drugs. Maybe, he's, maybe his wife just broke up with him. And he's like completely grief, grief stricken, driving down the road, driving erratic. You pray for him. You pray for his protection. You bless him. You bless those who curse you. But you see, as you do that, you're being honorable horizontally because your father is honorable. And as you do that, you have a guaranteed harvest. You are using the seeds of honor. You're exercising the honor way. Doors and passages, secret passages are opening for you even as you bless those who curse you. That's how you do this. If someone leaves their grocery buggy out in the parking lot, park it. 
Don't let the wind park it. You park it. Be honorable. It doesn't matter that it's raining. You're a child of Almighty God, right? Act on His behalf. Represent the King in how you pay your debts. Don't don't scorn, don't criticize, whatever you do, don't mock, don't ever, ever mock. It doesn't matter if you disagree with a politician or you disagree with a rock star. Never mock people. Why? Because they're made in the image of God. Because they are God's image, you honor people. It doesn't matter if it's the bag man on the street drooling. That gentleman was made in the image of God. God's got an amazing plan for his life. Bless him. Pray for him. Pray for those bosses that despitefully use you. They're made in the image of God. The cross, you can convert anything into something beautiful. Don't champion your genetics. Don't champion your traditions, your bloodline. Champion the blood of the King Almighty, right? I love this quote from Martin Luther King. He said, our loyalties must transcend our race, our tribe, our class, and our nation. Let me just give you quickly three experts on honor, okay? Three, a politician, a prince, and a prostitute. I know it sounds like the beginning of a joke, but it's not. (laughs) These people were all treated very dishonorably, yet they're honor experts. Number one, Daniel the politician. You know his story. Daniel, he prayed three times a day. He was a very honorable man. The other politicians were jealous of him. They played a trick on the king, got him to make a law. They got Daniel thrown in the lion's den. Daniel goes in the lion's den. The king's up all night because he know he can't run the country without this honorable man. He just can't get his sleep. He's up all night. He's fasting. He's just distraught. And he's a crazy king. He's a nut job. He really is. He's possessed probably with devils. He made a law that everybody could only pray to him. That's usually a nut job when you get those kind of rules, right? And so Daniel is in the lion's den. The king goes off the next day. He has the rock rolled back and the king yells down, King Darius, and he says, Daniel, was your God, your God able to deliver you? Listen to what Daniel says coming out of the lion's den. This is his answer back to the king. He says, long live the king. Here's what he didn't say. Oh, king, with such an awesome hairdo who had the great interview on, on The View last week. You're so amazing. See, honor isn't, it doesn't lie. It doesn't say things to people that aren't true. Sometimes I think we think honor is just blowing smoke. Honor is speaking the truth, but speaking it honorably, honestly. And he says, long live the king. He speaks a blessing on the king who just threw him in the lion's den. Long live the king. My God sent angels and shut the lion's mouth. What an honor genius. And we wonder why doors just kept opening for Daniel. The next one, Prince, Joseph the Prince, his brothers betrayed him, threw him in a pit, and sold him into slavery. And he goes from being in Potiphar's house and making everything great to being, you know, he's a good looking guy. Potiphar's wife puts the moves on him. She tries to sleep with him and he says, I can't sin against God. So you think that would go really good? No, he gets thrown into prison on rape charges. So he's in prison on rape charges and even there he has favor with the warden and suddenly he goes from the prison to the palace in one day. And we know that when God brings his father and his brothers before him, the very same brothers that made his life a living hell, what's Joseph say? Brothers, what you meant for evil, God has turned to good. I forgive you, come on. Let's have a big hug. He's an honor 
champion. He's amazing. And the last one is probably my favorite expert. Rahab, they call her Rahab the harlot, Rahab the prostitute. Now, I've served on a board for for women that have been sex trafficked. I've served on a, a ministry board for women that have got caught up in that life. And one of the things that we found out is that a lot of women in that lifestyle didn't go into it willingly. They got usually thrown into it by somebody they trusted, by somebody that they should have had confidence in. That's just the statistics. And they got thrown in that lifestyle usually at a young age. And so when I'm thinking about Rahab, I'm thinking about a little girl that probably was thrown into that lifestyle in Jericho by somebody like somebody who is supposed to love her, somebody that was supposed to protect her. And there she is working the walls of Jericho as a prostitute, giving away her innocence day after day after day. And suddenly she hears about a God that sets the captives free, a God who loves slaves, a God who sets slaves free in Egypt. And her heart starts to get a little bit excited that a God would actually care about a slave. And what she do when three spies come to town and everybody's afraid, nobody wants to, she hides the spies from God. Three men, by the way, not three women, she hides the very gender that had betrayed her and sold her into slavery. And she hides three men on the roof and she says, just one thing I'm asking of you, make sure your God knows about me. And when you come and take this city, because I know your God's with you, you got to remember me. What happens to Rahab? Rahab gets saved and delivered out of Jericho. She marries a wonderful, righteous man, has a beautiful marriage. She has a beautiful son named Boaz, one of the most honorable, famous men in the Bible. Boaz, down his lineage ends up having one of the greatest kings, King David. King David down his lineage has the amazing, amazing King Jesus from Rahab to King Jesus. You want to talk about honor? Oh my goodness. Honor. And if you're thinking right now, you're thinking, well, what about me? Jesus, the King of all kings, says this to you. He says, is there any of you weary, tired? Come to me, and I'll give you rest. You see, when Jesus, with every step he took to the cross, Jesus was thinking about you, and he was restoring your honor with every step. When he went into the Garden of Gethsemane, guess what he did? He suffered for you to pay for your depression, to pray for your sadness, your sorrow. He suffered in the Garden because he was honoring you. He suffered at the whipping post because he doesn't give sickness and disease and dementia and Alzheimer's. He doesn't give those things honor. He doesn't weigh those things heavy. He weighs you heavy, and so he went to the whipping post so that he could pay the price for your healing because he weighs you so heavily. When he went to the cross and they put the the nails in his hands, he was paying the price for the works of our hands for the purpose of your life that he might buy back the authority of the works of your life. When he had his feet pierced, it was on purpose so that he could buy back the path of righteousness for you to walk upon. When he had his brow pierced with those thorns, he was laying down the price for you and me so that we could get back the cross crown of honor on our brow. Jesus was honoring you. Right now, you may be thinking that God has somehow weighed your your sin heavy and weighed your sickness heavy and weighed all of your dysphoria heavy. And the truth is, God weighs your design heavy. Your design is precious. He's weighed your life is precious. He weighs your tears precious. 
That stuff he puts under his feet and he puts it under your feet. When Jesus died on the cross, when he went into the grave, when he descended into hell itself and he dispossessed the devil of the keys of death, hell, and the grave, and when he raised again from the grave to the right hand of the Father that he might make intercession for me and you night and day and day and night, he's restoring honor to you. His whole plan was to put the honor crown back on your brow that you might access the ways of God, that you might walk in the plan of God. So this morning, if you don't know Jesus, that's the first step. It's easy. If you don't know Jesus, it's easy. Why don't you just bow your heads, close your eyes for a minute. If you don't know Jesus and you're saying, Stephen, I haven't even begun this journey of honor because the truth is I've never really honored the king and made him Lord of my life. It's easy. You just with your mouth, see nobody can delegate authority for you. I can't do it for you. Your mama can't do it for you. Even God can't do this for you. You're the one with the delegated authority for your life. God cannot access your life without your delegated authority. You can pray this right now and just say, dear Jesus, come into my life. Set up your throne in my heart. I repent of my sins. I need you, Jesus. Forgive me. Forgive me for my dishonor. I believe in you. I'm a child of God because you've put your name on my life. That's all there is to it. But there's some of you, you've been serving Jesus for years. You've been feeling convicted today. Don't let condemnation come in. The enemy would like to condemn you and pull this message sideways in your heart and condemn you for your dishonor. But just let the Holy Spirit convince you of what's wrong and you can restore the honor path in your life right now just by saying, precious Father, just like Angela did, I lay down all of my dishonor at the foot of the cross. I confess it all. I take responsibility for my life right now. I employ my delegated authority. I lay down all of my dishonor at the cross. The times that I didn't represent you, the times that I cursed when other people cursed. Times I cursed your design in other people. Times I spoke things wrong, resented people. Some of you need to forgive family members right now. And you lay it right down there at the cross. And then you just say, Father, now I receive the benefits that Jesus won for me at this cross. Establish honor in my heart. I'm going to start seeking first the kingdom of God, your way of doing things, the honor way. I believe I receive it. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Now, if it's okay with you, I would love the worship band to come back because that song they sang off the beginning, Nothing is Impossible, that's your song for the week. Nothing is Impossible. Can we do that? Can we just sing a song, Nothing is Impossible? But listen, 
Because I love you guys so much, and because I love your amazing pastor, I, I would be remiss if I didn't bring you to this one verse, 1 Timothy 5.17. It says, the elders who perform their leadership duties well are to be considered worthy of double honor, financial support, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching the Word of God concerning eternal salvation through Christ. I'm not lying to you. I've never said this in any church, any pulpit, where I've described the pastor of that house as a pastor's pastor. I've never said that anywhere. But Pastor Tony Rhea and his precious wife, Therese, they fight for you day and night. I've seen them, I've been on holidays with them and seen them fighting for you and contending for you on their holidays, on their vacations. I've seen them standing in the gap for you guys in the middle of the night. I've seen them fight for you, not just on a Sunday morning when they're in here. I've seen them fight for you. Fifth commandment, honor your father and mother. You have a spiritual father of this house, a spiritual mother of this house. And I'm telling you, if you really want to walk the honor way, remember I said the right seed for the right ground? Right? You don't, you don't chase some, somebody who's cursing you, you don't chase them down, unless the Holy Spirit tells you and take them out for dinner. But the thing is, you know, I know people that put money in the wrong places and wonder why they're not getting a return on their seed. I can almost guarantee you, if this is your home church, if this is your family church, you need to sit down with your wife, your spouse, you need to sit down with your children, and you guys need to make a conscious decision this week of how you're going to take honor to a whole new level in blessing your pastor and his wife. And trust me, I'm probably going to get chewed out over lunch for even bringing this up. In fact, I probably know I am. But... I know with all my heart I'm being obedient to the Holy Spirit. It's time for this church to go to a whole new place. God has ordained a whole new level of success and influence in this community. And the secret is actually within your walls, honoring your father and mother. You need to make a conscious decision. You've been holding back some of you. You need to honor this man and this woman of God. And you need to do it. They never told me to say this. And like I said, I'm going to get spanked for it. But nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Thanks again for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. For more messages like this and other resources, visit us online at cccsterling.org.